0: Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. We will be free of spoilers from future episodes, but heads up, spoiler warning for details from past episodes. I'm Jason
1: of the Death Walk Clan. And I'm Harrison. I'm choosing to distance myself from the Death Walk Clan. <laughs> Jason, what episode are we watching today? Today we are watching Angel Season Two, Episode Nineteen,
0: Belonging. This is the one that sets up the pieces for the rest, the last few episodes of our season two, and we get a decent amount of character development for mm. the whole cast. Yeah, and uh, and we finally, in the show, learn what the host's true name is, though. Since Harrison uh, already screwed the pooch a while back, we already
1: know what it is. Uh, Belonging was written by Sean Ryan uh, and directed by Turi Meyer uh, as a new director um, to the show. Uh, And it originally aired on May 1st, 2001. Hit it. jason harrison what delicious drink are you uh imbibing
0: today i like how um you automatically assume it's delicious because you made it yes. um and it is a vodka cranberry uh which has become my gin and tonic since <laughs> like that's gin and talk is your go-to drink um you know i feel like vodka cranberry is i don't go to bars too much anymore
1: but if i'm getting a mixed drink at a bar it'll probably be. A, mm-hmm vodka cranberry yours is very pretty i really i'm loving the the lime that you added (laughs) as the garnish it's uh (laughs) yeah you know like it's very classy i didn't even think about doing it until like
0: after you poured the drink for me i saw the lime and the knife there and i'm like
1: i could i could class this up a bit yeah class it up you're drinking it out of my total wine cup no uh which is a free cup they gave us at total wine when they opened uh, that means it was gratis, yes. and that means it's classy. Classy. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking uh, a gin and tonic um, because I love gin and tonics. We're both going with our standards here. Yeah. Um, nothing, if not standard. I don't think you're the very standard at all. <laughs> ah.
0: That's
1: all a right. good thing.
0: Takes away in a toast. Um. Uh, we lost uh, two. Uh, black icons this uh, this past weekend um, in entertainment one in entertainment and one in sports ah that's why and, I only um, know one I was like <laughs> yeah uh, I know okay. we, we lost the uh, the legendary uh, Bill Russell um, who uh, was not only a fantastic multiple time championship winner and MVP uh, on the Boston Celtics but he um, also was very much like a trailblazer for um you know uh black activism uh in the sport and he uses platform for that um and yeah like the the sports world was very very um sad at his passing the one that hit a little closer to home for me i'm not a huge basketball fan but the one that hit a little closer home for me was the passing of Nichelle nichols mm-hmm. um known far and wide as uh Lieutenant and later Commander Ahura in the Star Trek franchise. Um, I actually was very fortunate to meet her a while back. Um, went to a convention and where I met uh, William Shatner, Nichelle Nichols, and George Takei, um, and I had one of the most wonderful experiences with Nichelle Nichols. Like she told me, just a really fun Star Trek story, and she did the. Um, that, Like that grandma thing, where like when they're telling you something, they're also holding your hand yes. the whole time, <laughs> and uh, and like I didn't hate it, like, yeah. I, I was like, this is wonderful, I don't ever want her to let go of Aww. my hands. Um, but yeah, she was so nice, and also, like, um, also, like, uh, used her platform and her position. I mean, it a lot of star Trek fans know that, um, after the first season, she almost decided to leave star Trek, but she was at a, um, at like a uh, I can't remember if it was a party or a function or something, yeah. but, um, and then, uh, a big Lieutenant Uhura fan came up to her, Dr. Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Jr. And said, um, you can't leave. Like we need a black person to, who is like an equal to these other, um, to these other people who need her on, on like TV. And, um, she like after star Trek was finished, um, she, uh, did a lot of, um, things to promote, uh, women being in, uh, being present in the sciences, especially in NASA. She would like go around and recruit people, uh, like female scientists for NASA. Um, she was like, uh, almost as, um, as, uh, is like, instrumental to, like, the growth of black women in NASA, like, almost as much as, like, the women in Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. Katherine Johnson yeah. and... Uh, yeah, I, I feel bad. I can remember her, their names. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, can't, yeah, I, don't, I don't know all, all three of their names. But, uh, yeah, um, so truly an icon. And, I mean, the thing is that she loved, she loved talking to Star Trek fans all her life, and yeah. that's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, to... Mr. William Russell and to Miss Nichelle Nichols.
1: Cheers. That was an incredibly long oh, toast, it's but okay. um, I feel like they deserved it. Even though I was not familiar with the the former, um, it sounds like he was a very very impressive man. Well, I mean, he uh, let me look up those stats um,
0: because I believe he won like. MVP like five times and won and was like won the championship 11 times with the Celtics, which is kind of a yeah, five time NBA most valuable player, 12 time NBA all star. And um, according to Wikipedia, he was the centerpiece of the Celtics dynasty that won 11 NBA championships during his 13 year career. Wow,
1: that's insane! Yeah, oh my gosh. I'm not, I'm not a big basketball person, but even I can tell yeah. that that's very impressive. <laughs> it, I mean, I have my, uh, I have a cousin who, uh, was, he's, he coaches now, but he was a professional basketball player. And so even though I'm not a big basketball person, I like, I do know probably more than people expect that I do. Um, I think, um, and... I think it always surprises me how much about
0: baseball, you know, cause you're like a. You're like a bigger baseball fan than
1: um I would th- than I would expect I I played baseball like as oh, a right. kid and uh yeah I did I, I enjoy baseball
0: I yeah more I, than I guess I just remember you like throwing out some terminology that just shocked me because <laughs> you're you're not the type of person to talk about sports yeah like ever. Um, so
1: it always, like, that
0: really threw yeah. me when you just, like,
1: start talking about baseball
0: I'm yeah. time. Whoa! Yeah.
1: Well, see, and that is the thing I think that most people don't know about me is I actually did play quite a few sports when I was a kid. I played... I, I did
0: as well, yeah. Um, I
1: played, I played soccer. I played, uh, volleyball for years. I was quite okay. good at volleyball. Um, I played a little basketball. I played, I played one year of touch football and it was not for me. Um, and, and yeah, I played baseball and baseball, soccer, and volleyball were like the three that I played pretty consistently through, uh, through the end of middle school. And then once I got to high school, I just really didn't have time for, for, to play any sports as I was taking on like academic team and doing theater and, you know, I had to prioritize the theater, yeah, theater was
0: like the big thing because it's, um, it's like a two and a half to three month chunk of time yeah. out of the year for each show and, and several hours every day. yes and you can't really be on a sports team or it, it, I remember like I thought about like maybe trying a couple sports while I was in high school mm-hmm. but it always would have conflicted with theater and you know I was theater was kind of my thing yeah. so yeah. that was pretty
1: athletic there was a time where I actually was like I really really wanted to uh join one of those like um like professional like uh baseball teams for like like June like a like a junior professional mm-hmm. uh, baseball team um and I was never good enough to do that I, that was very much a pipe dream but and I gave up on it like after like two weeks and i was like yeah i don't want to do that actually but it sounded cool
0: it's interesting to find out that stuff about you
1: i think i saw you know like a magazine or something and was like oh yeah i'm gonna do that and then you know it's
0: cool you know
1: how kids are (laughs) um so anyway let's talk about belonging let's talk about all of our characters as they maybe start to look inwards and try to decide where they fit in this This crazy town called L.A. (laughs) (laughs) So we
0: we start off with a a really cool shot. Um, We're in a nice restaurant. Um, We see Cordelia, Gunn, and Wesley sitting at a table. And uh, they're talking about how they're looking for movie stars, even though they wouldn't sit in, like, the B section (laughs) where they're at. And then all of a sudden we start hearing Angel talk about how, you know, he doesn't really feel too comfortable in a uh, in a restaurant I'm like what's going on and we get a pan and we had originally been looking at a mirror so angel was sitting in that fourth seat but you know no reflection Loved that it. was a great
1: shot yeah. this um brought to my mind a memory of a couple of nights ago um when they were talking about like looking for movie stars and where they're sitting in the restaurant um john and i are watching uh gilmore girls right now um And the episode we watched the other night, we're in season four, and um, Lorelai was out on a date with uh, Jason, a.k.a. Digger. Digger. Um, And they went to this, like, restaurant that was, it looked like it, like, was a really cool restaurant, like, really hoppin'. But they took them to this, like, private room away from, like, everything else going on in the restaurant. And Lorelai was all like, I want to be out there. Like, it's interesting. And there, it seems like there's cool people. And he was like... But we were in here in this private room that I got. And it was so funny because John and I both took a side in this disagreement. <laughs> and can you guess whose side I was on and whose side John was on? John was probably on Digger's side. <laughs> you were on Lorelai's side. Well, I mean,
0: in all fairness, you are... I feel like you are more innately sociable than, than John.
1: It John, depends on the situation. But yeah, yeah, I feel
0: like, well, John is... Uh, You are more likely to, like, be sociable with anybody and, like, go out and meet new people. John is incredibly sociable around people that he knows, Um, especially, like, if they, like, were in college together, fraternity together. Um,
1: But, yeah. uh, That is accurate. Yeah. Except Except for every once in a while where he just, like busts out a sudden like burst of extroversion when we're out i feel like i'd never see that but then again like i haven't gone
0: out with you guys in a while so and when it and when i have it's like we go to you know just old louisville brewery and uh and it's just like you know us
1: and a couple other friends yeah um but anyway that was just what i thought about i was just like yeah you want to be in like the cool part of the restaurant where everything's happening and not in the weird room tucked away <laughs>
0: well I guess it depends like uh like the the, the tucked away room would be great if like, you're just going for an intimate date yeah um but that's what, what not what you were expecting understandable No. um so uh they're celebrating because Cordelia is in a national commercial yay um, well and, I guess not yet and, once yeah, we see and, it and but... they're, ce- they're celebrating with wine and expensive sashimi uh and <laughs> Which angel does? This is such a great bit. Like Angel's just like very kind of like you know sideways saying, "Oh, I mean like you know, spin enough on that." (laughs) And he's like, "I'm not, I'm not cheap. I'm just old. (laughs) I'm not cheap. I'm just you know a little old." I remember when like uh, what was it he said like a couple of coppers, maybe a bob? Is a bob Yeah, bob. Yeah. Like a bob would buy like plenty of food
1: and a tavern which I loved. <laughs> and everybody just looked at Like him. what the, like, what I loved about this, and this is the only time you're ever gonna hear me say something kind about uh, about this particular thing. I love that the Irish accent comes out just a little. <laughs> like yeah, we're going all the way back to Liam. There, <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't go full Liam. But it definitely there's just a tiny lilt that just comes out like like when someone who's lost their act like someone from the south has lost their accent after moving, but they get upset and it starts to come out real bad. Yeah, like yeah. Um. uh it that was pretty funny.
0: But uh, yeah, and so they're all like kind of like you know just dis- get like talking about how happy they are for Cordelia, how weird Angel's being, and then Angel decides to be really weird, and he sees a woman walk in. Um, and he like just runs up to her. It's like, Oh, I know that shawl anywhere. Um, I think I don't know which when I see one. And, uh, and it's like, I know those runes. And he said like, actually those aren't the runes. And, uh, Cordelia has to come and cover for him by saying that he gets very passionate about clothes because he's French. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: It was funny. I was like, I was like, okay, we're about to have a real uncomfortable gay joke here. And then I was like, ah, it's an uncomfortable French joke. Allow. I'll allow it. That's better because the French a joke. No, no. no. Uh, Um, Oh, look, here goes all of our stats from France. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh,
0: but, um, sorry, I just got, like, a weird neighborhood alert, and I thought, like, oh, did somebody break into somebody's house? No. Um, but, uh, we, uh, and, uh, like, when, they you know, get back to the table, Gunn says, oh, you know, we could always, like, you know, just get a flamethrower and set the table on fire so we can draw more attention to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it's, this, this scene felt a little out of place, Just like Angel doing that, except that it really does feel like, um, and I think we see this later, Angel's becoming a little more protective of the team, Mm -hmm. especially Cordy. Um, Now you can think of different reasons as to why that is the case. Um, Let's just at this time go with, oh, he recently got back with this team and he's like trying to be very protective of that team. Yeah. Any other reasons,
1: keep them to yourself. (laughs) I think also he's maybe, I feel like he's feeling a little, um, unmoored, uh, a little aimless since he's not the leader of the gang anymore. We see several times where he kind of tries to take charge and then has to, there's one moment in particular where Cordy has to be like, Angel. Um, so I, he's like, Angel's like kind of antsy, like, so he sees a perceived threat Uh, A shawl made out of the skin of dead children. (laughs) And then, yeah, jumps the gun a bit.
0: But uh, it doesn't matter because they end up drawing more uh, attention to themselves when uh, Cordelia starts looking not too great. They're like, oh, no, is it a vision? And she's like, nope, uh, food poisoning. (laughs) And then just, like, is on the ground. It happens fast. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, as she's throwing up that expensive appetizer... Uh, Angel says, I think they'll take that off the bell,
1: right? They better. Like, I'm sorry. If you, if something I'm, if I'm, if I'm at fucking McDonald's and I get food poisoning from something. And you're still there. I'm, I'm getting a refund. If I've spent upwards of a hundred dollars, it, it appears based on the dialogue that Angel is treating. Why the hell
0: are you spending a hundred dollars no. at McDonald's? No, I'm saying if I'm somewhere at, like. I know, I know.
1: But it, it appears based on the dialogue that Angel is treating the whole gang so, at a restaurant like that, he's easily spending over $100. I mean, that, possibly that, up to $200. Yeah, that
0: sashimi dish alone was like, what, $19? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, someplace like that, you can easily have between drinks, appetizers, and entrees, and potentially dessert, that's easily $50 a person. Um, so, I'd be like, at the bare minimum, you're taking the sashimi off the bill. No, no. <laughs> like,
0: so it, it is interesting that I guess I guess Angel's bank account is a lot uh, smaller after buying all those clothes for Corey, <laughs> um, and uh, this is not the last time that we see him worried about money. Unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> the the time that we do see him worry about money is bad, uh, just a bad episode. Oh man, like it that like sticks out as just a bad episode. I think I even that said was your that, least favorite on our hot takes, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, it might be now. Um, that might change as we do this rewatch, but... that Fair Like, when you asked me what my least favorite episode of Angel was, that's the one that popped that's in my head. That's what your gut said.
1: Yeah. And that is um season three. So. Season three. It's going to be around, like, yeah. kind of mid-season. So we haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah. But uh, just a heads up, guys. <laughs> we've got some not-so-great episodes in the distant yeah. future. <laughs> um, uh, we've already had my least favorite episode, which was season one's a really bad one season one's she Oh. so we have our opening credits
0: and uh then we have wesley um in his office he is calling up his parents to wish his father a happy birthday um and he's also like uh saying oh i have great news i'm the leader of our group now and it's like well you know it, it's a permanent thing and The conversation does not go the way that he hoped it would. Um, And we've kind of seen this before, like, just a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But um, it, uh, it, it, there's definitely a strained relationship between Wesley and his father. And um, it seems like, uh, you know, Wesley thinks that, like, this is the best position that he's been in since he left the Watcher's Council. And, uh, or did he get fired? Oh, he definitely got fired. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't remember if, like, if he chose at the end of season three of uh, Buffy to, like, leave them. Or... I feel like
1: Wesley would tell the story of, like, it was a it was a mutual parting of the ways. Yeah, it's like, But, I no. don't uh, no, bitch got fired. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and maybe they mentioned that when he was, like, first thing, like, oh, yes, I'm a rogue demon hunter. Yeah. I left the Watcher's Council. And Cordy was like, you probably got canned. Uh <laughs> But yeah, and, um, but no, he's like, he, he takes a lot of pride in, in like, saying, like, oh, I'm the leader of our group. And, uh, and, it, and apparently, like, his dad says things like, oh, are you going to get fired again? And he's like, well, I mean, it only happened the one time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, and this, this, well, like, uh, again, we're talking about, like, all the character development we're getting for each one of our characters and um this is huge for Wesley because th- for throughout the rest of the episode um the reason that Angel like is able to uh you know like come in with a plan really quick is because i think this kind of throws Wesley off his oh, game. Oh, he's
1: so off his yeah. game. His confidence is fucking shy.
0: Yeah. Um and you can see that especially in like the later part of the episode. Yeah. Um <laughs>
1: Uh, so like, Joss, just, just go to fucking therapy. We get it. You hate your dad. <laughs> you could say that to like every like. I mean, that is the
0: that is the primary antagonist of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. dad. Well, it's like
1: it's it's that. It's Buffy. It's lost. It's yeah. just like what what about having a terrible father leads to you become someone becoming a writer? I'm not going to examine that. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh...
0: And um, you know, Gun shows up and says like, uh, "Hey, man, like, uh, who are you on the phone with?" And he's like, "Oh, my parents. It was my father's birthday." He's like, "Oh, is everything. Like, he's it, that sounds great." And he's like, "Yeah, he wishes everybody in Tinseltown the best." Yeah. So he's not ready to talk about this with
1: anybody. But uh, he, but I do appreciate that he, even though he's not ready to talk about it, he does like that does feel like a. Mentioning
0: like a, that it... You, you could have easily just said, like, oh, it was nobody. Um, yeah. But, like, saying that it is your parents and stuff. And
1: mentioning that he had this, like, kind of shitty comment about Tinseltown. I feel like that's opening the door for for Gunn, because Gun and Wesley are fucking best friends now. I yeah, I mean, that. they've even got a they, they, stupid secret handshake. I loved when they were having dinner. First of all, I could have watched the whole episode of just the four of them shooting the shit at a restaurant. <laughs> uh, but the, um... I love when they fist bump at the dinner, and then Angel kind Angel of like to just go in, tries for... to go in,
0: but then they go back. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, sorry, get buddy. in on this. We leave you this. out. Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, they're such a good team. Um, oh, and, and it should Probably be mentioned. Only took the massacre of a bunch of lawyers for them to get there, but <laughs> and
0: it should be mentioned that they are technically in the middle of a case. Yes. Um, which might ah, demon. Yeah, uh, Cordelia, which is spelled incorrectly in the Buffy <laughs> wiki because. It's spelled Haklar, H-A-K-L-A-R, and and Wesley does emphasize the gun. It is two A's, yes. Hakla, <laughs> with two that A's. Very funny. Um, but yeah, uh, Cordy did have a vision about this, and uh, so but they're fine with her doing her commercial while um, the manly men go and try <laughs> to uh, destroy the demon. Yeah. Uh, we get to see... I mean, the, in fairness, her job's basically done at that point when she's had the vision. We get to see the, um, the set for Cordelia's commercial. And uh, it's a tropical beach. Um, uh, there's this really great shot. There's this really great, like, sequence where um, Angel's, like, walking into the lot. Um, and he's, like, heading towards this girl who's, like, in a bikini... Um clearly she's going to be in the commercial as well. She looks up and smiles at him, uh, thinking like, Oh, he's coming over to me. He walks right past (laughs) her and she's just got like
1: this, oh (laughs) look on her face.
0: It is that was beautiful. Like that girl, um
1: I hope that she's in these credits. Uh She's gonna have some horribly demeaning credit, like woman okay that's it's woman better than I Um, thought because I was gonna be like
0: (laughs) Maureen Greer okay um like I mean she didn't do like she she had like all of like two minutes of screen time girl used it to the like (laughs) girl was incredible in all of it um but yeah and I actually really like this um I
1: like mm.
0: well I, I really like what happens next like not the not what happens afterwards with Cordelia But Mm. I like that um, Angel...
1: Oh, the sun thing.
0: Yeah. Angel, like, walks onto this set. And obviously it's a set. It's not actually a beach. But he's just, like, kind of, like, smiling. Because, you know, dude can't go onto a beach. Um, And if he does, Oz just says that he's pale. Like, really (laughs) pale. Yeah. Which isn't fair. Yeah. then this and is actually critical, com- as we've discussed, coming yeah. from Oz. And this is actually um, a nice little bit of foreshadowing to something that happens in the next episode. Oh yeah, it is. Um, yeah, like, uh, but Angel, like, and Cordelia comes up, and uh, she's like wearing a robe over a costume, and for the for the commercial, and uh, she's like, "What are you doing here?" he's like, "Getting a tan." <laughs> and you know, I just love that this this look on his face, like, because you know. As a vampire, he can enjoy some things, but you know that he kind of wants to enjoy them. I mean, he does mention even in this episode that he like needs to spend more time like being around people and mm-hmm. try to like you know be a little more human. And because you know, he kind of had this arc in this season <laughs> where he kind of chucked that humanity away.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, and I, I really like it's it's a nice little thing, um, another little bit of character development. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so. Angel's, Angel's there, and he's about to ask Cordelia, like, a question about the vision, which ends up being, like, a not consequential question at all. Um, but I think he's just there because, again, he's got this, like, overprotectiveness mm-hmm. of them. Again, especially Cordelia. And then we get this scene. What a toxic man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, the director who's just, like, even looks like a grade-A douche. Um, he comes out and says, uh, and, um, like, says, like, oh, are you, the, are you the girl? And she's like, yeah, thank you so much for uh, hiring me on. And he's like, yeah, lose the robe. And um, so it feels a little awkward. Angel's just kind of standing there. And, um, and Cordelia, like, you know, takes off the robe and is wearing a very very skimpy bikini which has shells sea, it looks like it's legit seashells attached to it yeah ooh. i mean if it's like um if it's an expensive swimsuit they're probably it's probably not real shells it's probably like you know manufactured shells but i don't know that just like i get rhinestones attached to swimsuits but shells just seem like you know it'd be easy for them to come off oh yeah and like you know if you tried lying on your stomach or something while you're tanning, like you just like feel all those shells on you. Like, and like, it's not just on the top either. It's on the bottom too. Yeah. Like that's, that can't be great.
1: It just doesn't look very good. It doesn't.
0: It looks weird. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then this guy says like, uh, oh, when are you going to makeup?" And she's like, oh, I just came from makeup. And he's like, uh, all right, turn around. Let me see. And he's like, makes crass remarks. And then he says like, uh, you get like somebody get makeup for this girl. Get those bags under her eyes. Oh, like get rid of them. She's like, I had food poisoning. He's like, yeah. You eat. Ugh. And, um, this is, yeah. And Angel gets pissed. He's like, uh, you're out of line. And, um, he like tells her, tells him to apologize to her And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm calling security to get your ass tossed. And, um, and Cordy says like, I'm really sorry for my friend. Um, it is kind of funny that this director's like, oh yeah, let me guess. You're like a part-time male model or something. (laughs) So even the assholes are like, you're a model. (laughs) But, um, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, and Cordelia really does like kind of make it out like, you know, Angel did something bad. And, uh. And he like asks this question, like, "Oh, did they like eat the victim whole, or do they just like eat the liver? Because that's kind of important." And she's just like, "Go, why are you still here?" Yeah. And uh, you know, Angel feels bad now. Um, Angel later claims that he was out of line, but uh,
1: clearly he wasn't. Mm, I well, disagree. Okay, I think his I think his heart definitely in the right place. There's I just there are certain situations where. And I think this is one of them where you have to take your cue from the person who's in the situation. And mm. I I I agree I agree that this guy was a fucking douchebag and deserved to have his fucking head ripped off as Angel threatens to do. But Angel does not spend any time in this scene paying attention to what Cordelia is asking of him. And that's where I have the problem.
0: Okay. I get, it's just that, you know, obviously we think about charisma and the shit that she went through throughout Angel. Well, that's my other problem <laughs> we, with this scene. Yeah, I'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it's just like, I don't know. Um, I, I guess like, you know, because of the me too movement and all and like, you know, Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. um, like revelations and everything it's we've people who may have been unaware of it are now very much aware that this like toxic work environment has persisted for decades and not saying something, especially like in a situation like this where the director is like not even trying to be subtle, just like flat out verbally abusing his employee. I feel like not saying anything that's just kind of helping perpetuate it.
1: I I definitely see where you're coming from and I do agree. Unfortunately, the the gross truth of it is that that does endanger the woman's career. Yeah. And that like that's the fucked up thing. Is I think I think what we're coming to is unfortunately there's especially in 2001 um and even today is unfortunately there's not a right answer because Yes, not standing up for her is perpetuating it, but also standing up for her puts even an even bigger target on her. And I yeah, it's
0: it, it sucks. It sucks. It does suck. This is, a, is a shitty, shitty situation. situation.
1: And what makes me mad about this scene too is oh, and I we know that. He was not the writer of the episode, but we also know that Whedon was heavily involved in everything in the show and nothing went by without his approval. And it feels like, and this is just that weird cognitive dissonance I think he has where he just doesn't understand what a shit person he can be, but like, it feels like he's like patting himself on the back with this scene going like, look at me. Like putting a spotlight yeah. on how women are treated in this industry, even though he's sh- treating women like that exactly. in the industry. It's like, oh, isn't it horrible how they 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 put Cordelia in this skimpy, skimpy bikini and are like being so exploitative of her? And it's like, well, that's exactly what you're doing to the. And like, I get it. Depiction is not endorsement, and sometimes things have to be. Sometimes you have to show the ugly truth. Yeah, this seems a lot like the pot calling the kettle black, though. Exactly. And yeah, given what we now know about what this set was like, you know, I I feel like Charisma's performance in this scene and, like, the humiliation that we see her feeling and, like, all of that is really, really real. And now, knowing what I know, I'm like, well, shit, was she even acting? Or was she literally just humiliated Shooting these scenes, I don't, I don't know. It's yeah. me postulating. Um, it's entirely possible that she may found doing this scene very empowering, maybe cathartic. Uh, you know, but but the the fact of the matter is, this, this scene, I I never liked this scene in the first place. Yeah, because it always felt gross to me. But now that I know more, I'm just like, oh, it's super gross and pretty hypocritical of the show to be doing this, but. I'm if Angel had you know in his free time when cameras weren't rolling and no one was around and he wanted to rip that guy's head off you know what? more power what <laughs> I mean that would stop
0: that would that would halt the production of that commercial real quick
1: <laughs> oh it's it's LA in the Buffyverse, you know Directors are dying all the time.
0: It is like it is really funny how like later we get that woman who's completely shocked by Lauren's appearance, and um, I'm like, really, you haven't seen a demon at all up to this point because I feel like they're pretty obvious about being oh out gosh. and about. I love
1: her. I loved that lady, <laughs> the librarian. I uh, she wanted to jump Lauren's bones so bad.
0: I, I maybe not jump his bones, but she was definitely like you know. Lauren just has that charisma he does. and he, um, and yeah, like you can't, like you can't not listen to him and not feel like comfortable right. and like, yeah, this is somebody I'd like to spend time with in
1: any capacity. Yeah. And she works at a library and she believes that he's there to read to children. So she, so she's vibing with that too. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, get, back to we'll get back to that scene. Um, but yeah, Angel does leave. Um,
0: George and Rondell, uh, Gun's friends who, uh, back in the uh, episode where Wes got shot, Mm -hmm. um, they were the ones who kind of, like, waited with him while the ambulance, while they were waiting for the ambulance, Um, they show up, and they're asking for Gun's help, because there's a big, like, vampire nest in one of the parks nearby, Mm -hmm. and uh, Gunn says... And it's
1: specifically a park where a lot of homeless people are, Um, which are, like they're the meals. Yeah. And uh, I, I appreciated that little detail of like, these are very, very vulnerable people and we and, need to protect them.
0: And yeah, it's like, and that's always been like guns, crews, yeah. MO, like they're like angel may angel investigations may be trying to help the helpless, but uh guns crew is like, we're helping the people that nobody cares about. Exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're at like uh, they come to ask for guns help, and guns like, all right, and um, I'm ready to like, I'm ready like, uh, I'll meet up with you there. And they're like, actually, we kind of just need your truck, um, because if you guys don't, it's been a while since we've seen guns truck, but y'all remember that thing was staked out on the hell. It. I love it. Um, yeah. Um, and guns like, guns like, uh, really? Okay. I mean, I can like meet up with you guys, and
1: uh, there's and a nice parallel here to Angel. Because Gunn also is just like, oh, here's the plan, and they're like, oh, we've already got that covered. Yeah. Uh, that I like the. This is something I feel. I feel like the show does not do enough is uh, play up how similar Gunn and Angel are in a lot of ways. Um, but
0: yeah, um, and uh, and he says like, listen, and he tells uh, Wesley like, hey, man, just. Like page me when you guys get the location of the Hakla demon, and I'll meet you guys. And that's right when Angel walks in and uh, says like, "Oh, we know where the Hakla demon is." After he talked to one of his informants, and uh, says like, "Oh," and Wes says, "Consider yourself paged." So um, Gun says like, "Look, man, I'm gonna like I'll meet." He tells uh, George and Rondell like, "I'll meet up with you guys later." And like, "Yeah, sure." And they're obviously annoyed, mm-hmm. and they walk away. Um, Gun's not feeling too great, uh, and Angel's very pissy because of that director, um, <laughs> and he's like, uh, and they're like, what's wrong? And he just expressed, like, hey, I'm worried about Cordelia. I mean, when does she take shit from anybody? And the, well, she doesn't take shit from us. <laughs> uh, and um, and he says, like, yeah, this director's, like, treating her like a piece of meat, and, um, and uh, like, does, is that really what she wants, like, what she wants to be a part of. Like, she wants to be in that world. And, uh, and, and, yeah, and, like, uh, and they try to, like, commiserate with him, but basically they'll, like, grab their weapons and, like, yeah, let's go fucking kill this haka demon.
1: <laughs> um. Everyone's like, I've got shit to work through, but instead, I'm gonna go stab. <laughs> we then, um,
0: yeah, we then get, a uh, a smash cut to Lauren Singh
1: very good rendition of superstition okay so this is very famously a uh stevie wonder song Mm -hmm. uh my like my like version of the song hearing this song where i became familiar with it was off of the soundtrack for the haunted mansion the Eddie Murphy movie? Uh, the Eddie Murphy movie where it was sung by Raven Simone.
0: Okay.
1: And it was actually it was a pretty I, it's that, a, I bet it's a bop. It's a fucking bop. But I just was just like, Oh, yeah, this is the Raven Simone song. And I think someone was like, It's a Stevie Wonder song, you eleven year old little twat. But <laughs> I actually had like a moment
0: like that recently. Um I was uh I was at work and uh one of my one of my friends there, um, she was like uh she was just kinda like humming a song, I was like um, and I'm like, are you are you humming Heart of Glass? And uh, and she's like, yeah, it's Miley Cyrus's new song. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's... you mean you mean means by means by like Blondie, right? And uh, and she was like, I mean, I guess like you've heard the Blondie version. Literally everybody's heard that version. And uh, she's like, I don't know, like I've just heard the Miley Cyrus version. And so then like I played the Blondie version and she's like, oh, I have heard this song. Miley Cyrus <laughs> did it better. And I listened to Miley Cyrus' version and it's not bad, but it's not Blondie either. Um, yeah. Miley Cyrus has been doing a lot of covers lately and um, I'll admit like the the Heart of Glass, not too bad. Um, her her cover, Wish You Were Here, um, is a little like leaves a lot to be desired um but then again i'm also like very uh very protective of my pink floyd so <laughs> that could just be me being old <laughs> <laughs> You're not cheap, you're just old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: I mean, I'm going to be 33 in a couple months yeah. here. Well, like, I mean, talk about old. I We couldn't record on Monday because I hurt my back. <laughs> <laughs> I literally texted Jason. I was like, I was going to see if you wanted to record today, but I don't know. I guess I stood up and now I'm... <laughs> I, I'm deep, deep. Also,
0: like, um... I. I guess, like, I don't take enough time to uh, enjoy, like, the view of the audience at Caritas. But um, this one's particularly good just because, like, you know, everybody's getting into Lauren mm-hmm. singing Superstition. And it's so funny that it's, like, it's humans, but it's also demons, and they're all just enjoying it. This is a very wholesome image for me. Yeah, Caritas it.
1: seems like a nice place. Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm not going to lie. If I if I wanted to go to a bar, I would want to go to Caritas. Yeah. Especially because, like, you know... Even though there are demons there, you're not supposed to get hurt. Yep. Um, uh, Lauren's singing, actually, Well, or while Lauren's is singing, a portal opens up, and uh, it seems to coincide with his singing. And uh, yeah, a nasty looking demon just like oh, I hate hops a fucking thing. It's not the best design. Um, a little piggy face. Yeah. Uh, the and like the arms are a little. Uh, arms are a little crazy. Uh, like, long arms can freak me out from time to time, like, uh, like in that new, the newest Blair Witch movie, um, that, I haven't seen uh, that was, well, like, they talk about how, like, you know, the Blair Witch was, like, kind of, like, put on s- sort of, like, a makeshift rack, mm-hmm. and her arms were stretched out, so, like, when you see the Blair Witch, it's, like, her arms are kind of, like, hanging low. Ooh, ooh, that's so kind of freaky. Cool. Um, and also, uh, did you ever see Lovecraft Country? No. Okay. That had, like, um... They didn't necessarily have long arms, but it had, like, these two demon children who had straitjackets on. Um, so I guess it's kind of like... a the footmen. Yeah, kind of like the footmen yeah. from uh, Hush. But yeah, like, that visual of, like, you know, the arms swinging yeah. and they're, like, longer than they should be or look longer than they should be. I'm not gonna lie. That, that, that it pricks the Spidey
1: sense just a little bit. I do think that is creepy. Uh, the demon that Jonathan... Like summoned when he did his Jonathan spell also had something similar uh, with like yeah. really long arms. And I agree, that is creepy. It was the it, the body was fine. It was the face that yeah, was like it, I didn't care for it.
0: It's it, it really just kinda had the teeth. Yeah. And that, that seemed it. Uh nothing like too special about it. Like Lauren even kept talking about the teeth. Um he does go to the hotel and um, he's like, Hey, you guys are still in like the monster killing business, right? I'm ready to pay to get something killed. Um, there is a demon that is called a, and this demon is called a draken, which that's a cool name. Yeah, it's cool. Um, uh, and, uh, he talks about how it like arrived at Keratos, um, and he's like, you gotta kill the demon. It like eats, it eats people. It's really hungry. Um, and, uh, he seems to be very panicked about this though. Mm -hmm. We've never really seen the host get... I don't know why I said the host. Like, <laughs> I'm reading it in the, in the angel wiki. Like we've never seen Lorne get like too freaked out before about the appearance of something. He's very freaked out about this. Yeah. We'll find out why in just a few minutes. Um, it's at this time that Cordelia starts getting a, uh, a vision and she sees a woman played by Amy Acker, ah. uh, and, uh, this is, this is not the last we see of her. Uh, mild spoilers. Amy Acker. Um, Yeah, uh, star of, um, Person of Interest. Uh, Dollhouse. A frequent collaborator with Joss mm-hmm. Whedon. Um, uh, was she, was she in Firefly at all?
1: She was never in Firefly. Okay.
0: She played a very large role in Dollhouse, though. Yeah,
1: her, uh, I loved very her. Very awesome role in Dollhouse. I would say, I loved her on Dollhouse. Um... I fucking loved her on Person of Interest. Yeah. She plays Root. Root, who's this like it's it, I mean, Amy Acker kind of made herself known early in her career as playing like sweet, kind of quirky, uh, you know, characters. And her character on Person of Interest is like cold, calculated, um, and like she's just so good. She is um The, uh, she plays Beatrice in the 2012 Much Ado About Nothing. Yes. Um, where she is so fucking good. Yes, Um, and she
0: plays opposite Alexis Denisov. Um, Um, yeah, and that is a... Small role in Cabin in the Woods. Yes, uh, small but effective. Yeah. Um, it, it should, like, okay, so there might be, um, so that Much Ado About Nothing adaptation, um, it is very much a, uh it is very much Joss Whedon-driven, so heads yeah. up. Um, it A lot it's, of people have summed it up as, like, Joss Whedon getting all of his friends to come to his house one sick. weekend and perform Shakespeare. It's a who's who of his cast. Yes. <laughs> um, because you, like, you have Franz Kranz, you have um, uh, Nathan Fillion, mm-hmm. uh, you have uh, uh, Clark Gregg, um, you have uh, just, like, um, who, plays, uh, who plays Andrew? Tom Link? Tom Link, yeah. yeah Tom Link. Yeah. Um, You'll meet him later, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it just a ton of like Whedon alums, and if you can, I, I know that like you know Joss Whedon's name attached to something usually like kind of gets people away from it. Now we'll say that that is a wonderful adaptation yeah, of Much Ado About yeah. Nothing. It's it's a delightful movie.
1: Yeah. Oh Sean Mayer. from, Sean Mayer, uh, yeah, from Firefly. Firefly. Um, anywho. Amy Acker's in this vision. Yes. <laughs> um,
0: and uh, she is at a library. She uh, and um, she is like reading from a book and a portal opens and sucks right on in. And so they're like, let's go to the library. And uh, and Lauren's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Shouldn't we like do something else? But there is kind of a link because mm-hmm. they do think that this is the same kind of portal that this uh, Drakken came through. And this is the point where we... Um, where Angel kind of immediately jumps into like, oh, like we should go to Caritas um, and do like kind of like a circuit search pattern. And Cordelia's like, um, Angel. And, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, Wes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your toes. Um, but uh, you know, Wes is still a little like shaken from mm-hmm. his conversation with his dad. So he's like, no, no, like that's, that's a good plan until they have the vision. Right. And then they're like, let's go check it out the library.
1: This is just a minor detail, but it just bugged the hell out of me. Was the... Angel identifies her... Or Cordy identifies her vision as happening at the public library. Oh, yes. The only public library in In Los Los Angeles. Angeles. I was like, okay, here in Louisville... I can think of, like, off the top of my head, I can think of seven separate branches of our public library. And I think I'm missing... I'm probably missing some. Yeah. So in LA... I I don't know. I just... Part of me wanted to be, like... Wish she'd, like, specified at least, like, a neighborhood or something. But it doesn't really matter, but...
0: Maybe it's, um... I don't know. Maybe the architecture, like, uh... You know, because if I saw that in a vision... I would immediately think it is the main branch downtown. So maybe, like, she just assumed yeah. that it was a branch. And it happened oh, to be the branch.
1: Yeah, I wasn't bothered by her knowing which branch it was based on her vision. Because I just sort of assumed that that's kind of the sort of, like, part of the vision. So she does get, like, an innate sense of where it is. It was more the dialogue where she doesn't tell any, she yeah. doesn't tell any of them which library. So, um... <laughs> but I guess which, she gives the directions on the way.
0: Um... This is like uh, so. This all happens after um they defeat the Hakla demon, and uh, Sin and Gun, as promised, goes to like find his old crew, and uh, when he gets there, he sees that like everybody's like very somber, and uh, they go to um and he goes inside, and uh, Rondell is like at this uh, on this like he's at the couch where George. Um, is lying there and uh, he has a vampire bite and they don't know if he's going to be uh, coming back as a vampire or not. They just don't know. And uh, and that's when Gunn says like you should have waited for me and uh, Rondell says um, man we've been waiting for you for months. Mm-hmm. And so this is like yeah Gunn doesn't interact with Angel Investigations for the rest of the episode because he's kind of like man am I losing sight of like what's important and uh yeah and so everybody's kind of like gone through some stuff oh and when cordy got back from her uh from her commercial um which did not go well uh because it it's is a suntan lotion commercial i believe i think so yeah and um her and that other girl who is jones and for angel basically they are like kneeling above this guy who's like on the who's like lying on there like rubbing suntan lotion on it cordelia has the lines and um this guy's and the director being a shithead as we have come to expect he says like um oh yeah like you're in his light you need to get lower and she's like oh if i like get any lower i'm gonna fall out of my top and he's like oh and then you'll be out of his light and dude knows that he can't have like Uh naked breasts on a commercial right uh, he doesn't give a shit yeah. he gets off on the power trip yeah what a yeah, th- what a fucking douche what a fucking um, douche and
1: uh and Angel
0: does like say hey I'm sorry I was like I was stepped out of line and uh but then Corey's like I don't remember like Corey's actual like reaction to it I mean um well his first line yeah. is he says I'm yeah, sorry if, if uh, and, and she's like if yeah <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah. And she says, uh, something along the lines of like, uh, Oh, who am I kidding? Like, and, uh, I think she's, yeah. She like talks about why she wanted to like be an actor and how she like did that because she thought that like people would see that she was good. So now she's kind of like questioning this thing. And um, we have noticed, like, this is kind of like the first time we've brought up her being an actor in a long, in in a long time. Yeah. So I think, like, she is kind of shifting, everybody seems to be shifting away from what they're used to, and she's kind of, like, shifting away from what she came to L.A. to do to what she is supposed to be doing in L.A. now.
1: Everyone in this episode, our core four, are all feeling those tugs in different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're trying to figure out where they belong, perhaps. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think we see it the most in Gun and Cordy. Between Cordy and her acting in her role with the visions. And Gun between, essentially, two different groups mm-hmm. um, who have different methods and different priorities. Um, and then, of course... Wesley is questioning his ability as a leader, and Angel is like trying to figure out what it looks like when he's not the leader. Um, and I think that's a really interesting place to put all of our characters. Yeah, especially with what's coming up next, um,
0: because uh, and like I said, this this episode is more kind of like moving the pieces mm-hmm. into our final arc of the season. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and I, I think it's I think it works for the most part. It does feel like a little like against setting up the board yeah but it's, a, it's an effective way of doing it yeah i agree um, i think
1: people when people refer to the things as like all set up they they often say that in a negative connotation and it's like well set up is part of the process of story yeah like yeah you have to do it um you know you can th- slap a fancy label on it and call it rising action but it's set up like that's what it is so we go
0: to the library um the uh, librarian is freaked out by Lorne, but then just assumes that uh, he's in costume for the children's reading, which isn't until tomorrow. But Lorne just immediately goes into the character and says, "Like, oh, I, I wanted to see the room first. I never, I always have to scope out a stage before I do a show, and." Uh, and yeah, like Harrison thinks that she wants to jump his bones. I think she does. Um, I think she's toe into him. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think like maybe she's just charmed by him. Not a, not necessarily like in that way.
1: But you
0: know, to each
1: their own. She is charmed right out of her knickers. Because
0: <laughs> that woman is definitely wearing something that could be described as knickers. Uh, they describe the woman that they saw in the vision and, uh, that's when the librarian says like, Oh, are you talking about Fred? Um, this is a uh, nickname for Winifred Burkle and, uh, she's been missing for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so they investigate like precisely the room where she disappeared. Cordelia finds the book and she reads the language from the book. And, uh, Basically it should be noted that all this time Lorne is just shaking in his boots. Yeah. Um, and he's like, Oh, maybe you shouldn't read that. But uh, Cordelia is able to like do a good job of reading it and Despite uh, the fact that it has no vowels. No vowels. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, this opens up another portal and a and a guy gets thrown out who looks g- who looks very much like Lorne. And uh, he is Landok of the Deathwalk clan.
1: Woo! (laughs) Represent. Represent. Landok's in the house. Landok's in the library.
0: He is very much uh, like, ah. And he sees, uh, yeah, he's very much like a a very, like, warrior strong. I've got my sword. And he sees Lorne, and he's like, Crevlorn Swath, is that you? And Angel's like, crevlorn swath yes this is crevlorn swath
1: of the Deathwalk walk
0: clan that is a name and uh, that is when lorne does reveal that he prefers to go by lorne though he doesn't even go by that because you know he's green cordelia and wesley are very like wait what and and angel's like lorne green bonanza <laughs> and then everybody looks at him and he's like what 15 years on television doesn't mean anything to you all All
1: right, now I feel old. Which is hilarious in hindsight because David Boreanaz is now currently on like year 21 of consistent (laughs) lead roles. Yes. uh, For those of you who
0: don't know, um, Lorne Green is an actor who um, had several roles, but portrayed two especially famous roles. Um, The first one being Bonanza, which was a, uh, he was Ben Cartwright, which is a long running uh, Western series, ran for 15 years. Um, and, uh, over, but then again, like Western TV shows ran for a long time. Yeah. Gunsmoke ran for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and his other, uh, famous role was in the original Battlestar Galactica where he played uh commander Adama, mm-hmm. a role that, um, in the new series was played by Edward James Olmos. Okay. Um, and yes, Lauren Green. I did not know he was in. The no, original. um, I actually dated BSG. a girl. I actually dated a girl who, um, was, uh, whose, uh, parents were very much into Bonanza. Like (laughs) they loved it. Um, we actually had some fun times watching, uh, like, um, around like five or six, it would come on like TV land or whatever. Oh, of course it was on TV. Yeah. And we were watching, you know, it was fun to watch. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I remember like, uh, for Mother's Day, um, I was able to like find, uh, like this old photo that was signed by Lauren Green um, and it was, he, it was a picture of him in his Ben Cartwright, uh, costume. And I gave that to, uh, her mom for Mother's Aww. day. That was sweet. Um, yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, like, um, yeah. Lauren Green, um, not a joke that a lot of people, that a lot of like younger audiences will get, <laughs> but,
1: uh, like not even, not even Cordillian Wesley yeah. got it, but no, he is a bit of a TV legend. Yeah. Can we also talk about the fact that they've known Lauren for months now, and none of them ever asked to learn his name? (laughs) So rude. There's a
0: great, there's a great um joke in the Family Guy Star Wars where it's like at the end of when they were making fun of The Empire Strikes Back, they did the whole parody of it, and it's like where they're all like Cloud City, and Peter as Han Solo is like, you know, they meet Lando Calrissian. And they're like and he's introducing everybody too. They're like, This is my special friend Leia, you remember Chewie And uh yeah, he gets to C three P is like, Yeah, this is uh this is Chief here And he's like, You don't know my name, do you? We've been through all this stuff together and you still don't know my name And he's like, Yeah, C three P is like C three PO see I knew your name is C three Play
1: um, I really like the, in the, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, when, uh, Tendi and, uh, Mariner go on, like, their... Oh, yeah. And she she's called, called Devana, and she's like, what's Devana? That's some title. And she's like, it's my, my name. name. <laughs> you didn't know my first name? <laughs> also,
0: like, one last, uh, one last, uh, of my favorite instance of that. Did you ever see Red vs. Blue? Uh, not really. I know,
1: like of it yeah yeah um
0: for those who don't know like red versus blue was like this uh long-running animation series that was done with like um basically it was like halo Mm -hmm. and um it was halo character but like it was this whole like comedy series done in a halo game and uh there were two um there were two characters that were like the original team blue members um church and uh and tucker and like Very late into the first series, Uh, like we're talking like over a hundred episodes, and and he's like, and uh, and Church says like, um, and Church is like talking like, oh man, we need to like think of like a really good thing. Like, uh, it's Tucker. What's your name? What's your first name? Is like Lavernius. He's (laughs) like, are you black? (laughs) And he's like, are you seriously asking me that? I don't know. It's just something that I thought we should. I don't know, like, maybe we should know about each other. He's like, you know what you should know about me? My fucking first name! Nice. But anyway, um, yeah. So, Landok, um, yeah, Landok basically got, found himself like, thrown into this dimension, and yes, this, we do, like, find out, Lorne is from another dimension. He's from another world. And, uh, and he's not exactly held in high regard in his previous world. We get a little bit of like family drama. Um, Landoc is Lauren's cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both of the uh, Deathwalk clan. And, um, and uh, uh, Landoc says, like, Oh, yes, uh, you're, you're widely regarded as a coward. And he's like, Hey, I'm not a coward, all right? Um, and uh, they mention the Draken. And, uh, that's when, uh, Landoc says, like, oh, I can help you track it and kill it. Um, and, uh, then we, uh, then when Gun like,
1: uh... Well, the reason he's able to track it is because he has powers very similar to Lauren. Yes. But they're tuned to, like, hostility. Yes,
0: so it's very much, um, empathic powers, um, that we've, like, you know, noticed from Lauren all this time, um... Apparently it is a isn't it is like a trait of his race yeah and uh yeah and lauren says like hey and i use it to um like you know say like help people find their destinies and everybody he describes how like his world is this bleak place where there's no music there's no mm-hmm. art it's all just about like uh Oh, what? like, all, uh, it's all just, like, champions running around, like, slaying monsters. I and mean, can you imagine living in a world like that? And Angel's like, no, not really, <laughs> kind of wants to. <laughs> Maybe he'll get his chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, Gun um, eventually, like, confronts Rondell about everything, and, uh, and we have, like, that conversation, like, oh, like, we've been waiting so long for you, and, uh. They do end up like gathering a whole bunch of wood together and uh Gunn's crew uh burns uh George George. George, George yeah. yeah. George's body, and um everybody kinda like looks on and Gunn's kinda like hanging out in the back, and he's really just kinda like has one of those pensive gazes where he's like, what am I doing now?
1: Yeah. I wish this storyline uh had gotten a little more room to breathe because I really, really like it. I really like the work uh, uh, that Jay August Richards is doing. And I quite frankly found myself getting a little bored during like the Draken hunt. Um, so I was like, maybe a little more time could have been spent with these characters and a little less time on this Draken hunt.
0: Yeah. It always seems like when we get to an arc that involves Gunn's previous crew and his uh, disconnect with them, it always seems to be like a second plot mm-hmm. in an episode, so it never feels like we fully get into it. Yeah, um, but yeah, and uh, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that happens during the Drakken Hunt is either a little bit prolonged uh, combat and uh, fight scenes and explanations about the world that Landoc and Lorn are from, which we may or may not have, have a better chance of doing in later episodes. You all have seen the end of the episode, you know where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which like we could tackle in the next couple of episodes. Um, yeah. So they search for the, uh, they search for the Drakken. Um, and, uh, Landoc says like, oh, it took away, uh, like, um, it attacked like these people It took away some more food. And, uh, and Cordy's like, oh, food? Oh, you mean people? Oh, you mean people? <laughs> um, yeah, the demon does have a woman, uh, and, uh, you know, basically getting a saver. Um, Landok gets bitten when they fight the Draken. and, uh, um, Lorne does reveal, they're like, oh, it's, this is, like, a venomous bite that could kill, like, their species. Um, yeah, then we get this, uh, fight where, again, Wes seems a little bit off of his game, uh, there's, like, he's trying to come up with a plan, can't come up with it quickly, and Landoc just, he doesn't care, he just runs in, and, uh, Angel charges, like, right after him, um, and then, like, continues to, like, search for the Draken while, uh, after Landok gets hurt, um, and, uh, this could have been really cool. This mm-hmm. could have been a lot cooler because you've got like the darkness, and you've got um, Wes using a flare, which uh, c- can make for a really cool um, like fight scene, suspense scene. Just look at the thing. Um, but uh, the movie, the thing. Yeah. By John Carpenter, <laughs> let me let me emphasize because the thing could be anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm specifically mean the John Carpenter movie starring Kurt Russell but uh the um but yeah uh it feels like it's not really used to that effect cuz mo cuz like it-, it seems like they try to like do something with Wes looking for the girl while Angel looks for the draken. Which by the way, that's a horrible plan because yeah. Wes originally had the flare for distraction. So that means that the draken's going to go after the light. So you're going to like the person who's trying to kill the draken, you want him to have the light. While Wes goes and like tries to draw attention, tries to like not draw attention towards finding the girl. They do save the girl, and uh, Angel does like kill the Drakken, which impresses the hell out of Landok. And uh, yeah, he he Angel does get a cool kill though, throws sword through its throat. Love it. Yeah. Um, Cordelia says that they uh, can get Landok back to that his home, um, which is the only place where they have a cure uh if he reads the book at where there's a portal she just kind of knows this mm-hmm. it's like kind of ingrained probably from her visions. yeah um and so they go to caritas landock does read from the book while uh lorne angel wesley and cordelia look onward and uh and La- and landock says like oh it's very proud i was very glad to meet you angel like you're truly a strong warrior if you can uh few were able to take down the draken and he's like well you know i tried oh, I did my best. <laughs> every now and again i'm gonna do something good um and uh, he does read from the book portal opens and closes landock is gone and uh everyone's like well you know let's uh let's just kind of ignore that that happened and uh I was like yeah or lawrence is like huh i just want to forget that that ever happened and angel's like yeah sure i was like yeah sure how about you cordy
1: Cordelia's gone. Oh no! Cordelia's
0: gone into the portal and has woken up in the world of Pylea.
1: and that is where we end our episode. Oh crap! She says, "Yep." Ah, uh, it's an okay episode,
0: but, which is probably like uh, as I was uh, mess like as I was like joking around with Harrison. Probably the brightest locale in all in the entire oh Angel God.
1: series. So bright, uh, I was like, we get some sunshine out of Buffy every once in a while, but not nearly as often uh, yeah. in Angel. Well,
0: when you're when you're uh, when sunlight will kill your main character, you kind of
1: like have yeah. to make that compromise. Yeah, you got to keep it. Um, yeah, it's a belonging is. A, it's a like it. It's like we said. It's a table setting episode, um, but I think it is elevated by. Um, that internal journey that we see all of the four main characters kind of going I mean, on.
0: Even Lauren, we find out yeah. we, like, we find out like, Oh, Hey, there are others like him. He's not from this world. What's his name? <laughs> and, uh, and also just kind of like how, how he's not, even though like he's been like giving angel this advice um, about like, Oh, trying to like, he's been the one who's been giving him like the heroic guidance he's not like necessarily the champion himself he's yeah. uh he's a uh, believes in music and the arts yeah um so yeah a lot a lot of growth um yeah i again like table setting pretty decent table setting uh like the that that like anything involving the commercial is very uncomfortable yeah um every uh and The stuff with gun was really good. Could have used more of it. Um, Yeah, and it makes me excited for what we're going to see next. I agree. I'll give it... um, Three and a half out of five... uh, Vowels that are not present in any
1: word of that language from Lauren. Uh, No, I agree with you. Uh, I I don't even have anything to add to your comments. So, uh, it's also a three and a half for me, uh, three and a half uncomfortable seashell bikinis. <sighs> <laughs> I'm just like, imagine like three whole
0: ones and like, what's the half? Is it bottoms or tops?
1: Uh, Oh, see, I, I was really just thinking of the bikini tops. I was thinking, like, three bikini tops, and then one that's just, like, like a unipoo. <laughs> it, it only covers one. Boot. Yeah. It's like those those weird uh, Speedos that they have now that's, like, just... Co- you know the, the ones I'm talking about that it's, like, they cover your junk and then, like, around. Oh, like doesn't... a mankini? Yeah. Is that what it's called? I think so. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's gross. But it's, like, that, but for just one boob. Okay. Um, just... Just, you know for when you when you want to go to a nude beach but you are be feeling a little modest and want to cover one breast
0: i i'm thinking of like this um so i don't think it is wheel of time though wheel of time is kind of like what i think is what comes to my mind first there's like some like fictional species like fictional um group in a in uh, like fantasy or science fiction or something that like um, the women do like their dress is like one one breast is uncovered Mm. and I can't remember what that is it might be the Sean Chan in Wheel of Time but I don't know for certain because they haven't had like a real like Sean Chan be in the be in the series uh, in the last book that, I, that took me forever um, but yeah like I feel like it's like one exposed breast is, it's probably Wheel of Time I love how when we're
1: like when we're being like we're like having a serious discussion about it we're like one exposed breast from this race and then of course when we're just being silly we're like you we got one to you well, I mean, uh,
0: <laughs> one thing we didn't say in our Buffy movie episode is that they do use my favorite word for breast in it um, which I almost never hear uh, yabos, because <laughs> yeah. um, that's just fun. I feel like tits honestly sound dirty, um, yeah. it, and uh, titties somehow sound less dirty. Okay, um, I don't know why, but like tits just sound crass, maybe, mm-hmm. not dirty, crass. And, uh, you know, boobs, that's kind of like the the standard go-to no, um there's a uh, bazoombas which should be used a little more frequently, in my opinion. I
1: like dirty pillows. Dirty pillows, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Margaret White. <laughs> <laughs> Any euphemism that Carrie's mom uses—that's <laughs> bound to that's be a, hilarious. That's a go-to for me. But no, man, uh, yabos—that is Yabos. that is
0: my go-to. Nice. Um, I you know. When I'm with people that will not be offended by it. Like, I don't like, I'm not going to go on a first date and be like, wow, oh, you got really nice Yavos. <laughs> don't do that on your first don't date.
1: Um, but yeah, uh, so anything else? No, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, take us out. All right. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy, Season 5, Episode 20 Spiral. Uh, from the book of Saw, no. um, uh, and pretty good movie. I yeah, it was pretty. Good. I'm excited, and I'm excited for this episode because I really, really like this episode. It's got some stuff in it that's like really silly, but like the right side of the silly mm-hmm. line.
0: Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yami j three
1: five seven and on Twitter at plain old yamyj. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at harrison alexander kaufman and on Twitter at harrison kaufman. That's spelled C O F F M A N.
0: And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com.
1: Mm. And don't forget to subscribe and to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We recently, uh, our state was recently rocked again by uh,
0: some bad weather. Um, you guys remember, like, just a few months ago, we had like the massive tornado mm-hmm. in, uh, in uh, Mayfield. Um, but now, uh, Eastern Kentucky um, has been like rocked by flash flooding, um, over, over 20 people, uh, died and so many homes have been ruined. So, uh, we will leave links to, um,
1: charities that will help us out. So help out the bluegrass state. Yeah. And as always go slay and be gay. Oh, bye. Bye. That was weird.